In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing preparing for an active killer. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, Building the Wall, Preparing for an Active Killer. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible. This is 2 Chronicles 14, verse 7, and it reads like this. Therefore Asa said unto Judah, Let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers, gates and bars, while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. What I like about this verse is that's really kind of the same position we're in now. God has blessed us. He's given us our churches. He's given us our church buildings, if you will. He's given us a congregation and visitors and people to come. And we have prospered and we are serving the Lord. And just like back then, there is some responsibility. Okay, you've arrived. You're there. You have lots to be thankful for. You, you know, sought out the Lord our God. You sought out the Lord God. And now you're building walls. You're building gates. You're doing these kind of things because you know that someday the enemies can come. Someday the enemy will come. And that's what this podcast or this show is all about is we're going to be discussing the fact that active shooters are bound to come and there are a lot of things that we can do to build up our towers to build up our gates so i have one news story for you this one is aztec new mexico november 1st 2021 so really um, not too long ago uh, one church in the Aztec uh, one church in Aztec had been vandalized three times since September 1st with no clue as the identity of the vandal. The fourth time was different. Cameras had been installed and recorded images of someone painting evil on the side of the building. After finishing the deed, the culprit went to a convenience store across the street. That same night, the same word was spray-painted uh, spray on another church. A clerk um, at the convenience store identified the suspect from the video footage. So cameras can go a long way. I know it's not in everyone's budget, but if you haven't looked in a long time, go ahead and look because camera prices have come way down. So some of you probably remember when VCRs first came out. I know I was a pretty young kid at that time. And they were ridiculously expensive. My family was never gonna get one. But as time went on, they got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And that's just kind of how things go. And that's the same thing with cameras. You know, camera systems, security systems for commercial buildings, gas stations, back in the day, were low quality and very expensive. These days, cameras are really super cheap. I have a ring system on my home, and I think I paid for some of the cameras, I think I paid just a little bit over $100. Now, I'm not suggesting ring be used for commercial property. However, if you have a smaller building, ring might be a good idea for you. I do think they do offer some commercial stuff. I'm not sure you'll have to do the research on that. My point, though, is simply this. Prices for cameras have come down. By all means, get them because they're good for so many things. 
And we're not going to be talking about cameras actually in this podcast, in this program, but um, definitely look into it. There's a lot of wisdom to it. All right, so talking about stopping active killers, you definitely need to read Wesley's article. It's got a lot of good information in there, and I'm only going to focus on a really the security assessment that you should be doing at your church. Now, we offer a 27-page assessment, and it covers a whole lot of stuff. Um, but what I want to do today is really just focus on the stuff that you can do this Sunday, even without a copy of our, our assessment, and just do it. And what that is, is looking very closely at doors and windows. Now, I'm going to guess that I don't have to explain why you need strong doors and good windows. Because that, you know, that's your primary barrier. That's your primary line of defense. You know, exterior doors, exterior windows, that's your first line of defense. Inside the building, the doors and the any windows you might have inside are also, you know, now that's kind of your second line of defense, right? If people are going into lockdown and they're hiding in rooms from a bad guy, it matters what the doors and locks and all that good, um, all that good stuff is made out of. So let's let's start with door construction. So typically, you're going to see um, your solid wood doors, your hollow wood doors, and metal doors. Now. When you're looking at these doors, you have to consider, you know, obviously the construction of your building and you have to consider, you know, what's cost effective for you. You know, it's it might be too, ask, too much to ask you to go out and buy new doors, but we need to at least look at them and get a sense of their strength. Now, you know, inside my home here, all the doors are hollow wood doors um, and you could easily force your way actually through the door. Um, we had a door in the basement where our previous owners of this house, somebody clearly put their fists through the door. Um, and so that's your hollow doors. Now, solid wood doors, oftentimes they're rated for fire. And so if you look, if you open the door up and you look along the edge of the door, kind of where it goes um, towards the hinges, if you look there, there'll be a little metal plate there. And it'll say that this door is rated for fire. And it might say something on there for 20 minutes or whatnot. If that is the kind of doors you have on the interior of your building, that's a, that's a good door. That's a solid door. It'd be very hard to damage it in order to get it down, you know, short of having an ax or a, bat, uh, you know, a ram of some sort. So those are good doors. Clearly metal doors are going to be fairly good. Um, for the most part, unless you've just found the cheapest possible metal door on the market, you're going to be okay. But at least get an idea looking at the doors and what doors you think could be easily forced in or destroyed and what doors would be harder. And then take a close look at those doors that are weaker. Where are they and how important are these doors for the security of people inside the church or inside classrooms? The next thing that you have to look at is the handle itself. How does the door open? Um, a lot of exterior doors are going to have breaker bars on them or a push bar type thing on them. And the idea behind that is that's fire code and you don't want people stacking up against a door that nobody can get open. 
um, and so it has this breaker bar. I only have one warning for you on breaker bars. If you're in a really old building, um, some of you might remember the old style push bars and they kind of attached in two spots on the door and then came down and then there was just a single like you know a, a two inch or a one inch metal bar. Um, that old style door is very easily defeated with a clothes hanger. Very easy to break into there. People basically just stick the clothes hanger through the door, grab onto it, and then they can pull it open. So you want to go to the new style where it's just completely cut off. There's nothing to hook a hanger onto, and it's still your breaker bar. Um, next thing is knobs. If Once again, older buildings might have a circular knob on the doors. Um, these are inferior primarily because of operation. Um, twisting a handle is not the same thing as like a square handle where you're just kind of pushing it down to open it. And so kind of look at that. That's more, once again, that's almost more of a fire safety thing, but it's also a speed thing. If people, you know, if it gets to a point where people can evacuate out of a classroom, we want them to be able to just hit that handle and boom, the door opens and they're out of there. Which brings us to locks. <clears throat> the kind of locking system that you want and kind of the door handle that you want is where the, the door is always unlocked for the people in the building or in the room and always locked for people outside the building and outside the room. And so they, this is pretty standard. You can find your square handles, I guess is what they call them, you know, the lever type door handles. They'll have a key on the outside and that allows you to lock and unlock the door or to open the door. And so you want them set up. So once again, they're locked always for people outside. So if they're in a the classroom, they pull that door shut, that handle is locked but it's always unlocked for the people in the room. That's your fire and your evacuation stuff. We never want that inside part to be locked. We want people to get out of there in a hurry. <clears throat> so always always unlocked for the people in the room, always, lo um, always locked for the people outside the room. Um, and then make sure that if you have those kind of rooms that you also have keys, very controlled, that go to like the security team, maybe ministry directors. So that way if they ever need to open up the door, they can open up the door, get in there. Um, next thing is strike plates. Look at the strike plates. That's where the little latch from the door goes into like a little rectangular hole usually. Make sure that those are sturdy and that they have long screws that are going into the frame of the building. So they're longer. A lot of times the, the standard is usually like a one inch screw. And what's bad about that is a extreme force up against that door is basically going to pull that strike plate off or even break the frame. And that's all it takes. Um, you want them to actually be struggling against the frame of the building. You know, you want them, that door to be extremely uh, secure. So make sure those strike plates have long screws. The next thing is a cover plate. Now a cover plate, this is going to be more for exterior doors more than anything else, but you, this might also apply to interior doors. 
what a, a plate cover is, is it, it covers up the mechanism to people outside the building. So you probably have, you know, probably watched a lot of Magnum PI or something like that, you know, where they can use a butter knife or credit card to jimmy the lock. And that was, I mean, that's a pretty popular idea, in, at least for Hollywood, is a credit card can open a door, or it used to be. And that's because there's no cover plate. If you put on a cover plate that's properly installed, there's just no way to get to that locking mechanism from outside. So butter knife, credit card will not work. Um, the next thing to do is look at door reinforcers. And what I mean by that is this, is if you have wooden doors, they actually sell these, these um, metal, um, they're, they're metal covers basically. You take off the door handle and you slide it over the door and then you reinsert the door handle. And like I said, they're made out of metal and what that does is that adds a lot of strength to that area. So once again, if somebody's trying to kick the door open or force the door open, you, you have a stronger strike plate because we talked about the longer screws and then you have that reinforced part of the door that holds that area, another weak point together and harder to break through. So get that reinforcer put in place. Next thing is hinges. You want tamper resistant hinges. Now, if you look around your house, your doors are probably a lot like mine, at least the interior doors, where all you do is you pull out the pin and our pins, I got three of them. You pull out those pins and then the door comes right off, right off real easy, no problem. They have plenty of hinges out there with different security features. Some of them are just where that pin has a, a top and a bottom and you know, short of cutting it off with something that, that can cut through metal, um, wouldn't get it off. Some of them have like a screw, like an Allen wrench screw where it holds the pin in place. Um, there's all kinds of solutions. One that I really like is the one where the hinges itself has a stud that goes into a hole or studs that go into holes on the other side of the hinge. And what this does is even if they were able to get that pin out, those little studs hold that door in place. And so really they gain nothing by taking out the hinge pins. So make sure your hinges are security hinges. Next thing we kind of already touched on this a little bit is frames. You know, look at the door frame. You know, what, what's the construction? Is it wood and, you know, or is it metal? Is it anchored to concrete? Is it anchored to metal? Is it anchored just to the rest of the wood building? You know, what's it anchored to? How's it put in there? Because you could have a perfect door, great locks, great hinges and all that kind of stuff. But if the frame, if I can just, you know, bulldoze the door down and it's the frame that's going to give out, then that's something that you're going to have to examine. Most modern buildings, you probably don't have to worry about that too much. It's going to be constructed probably metal into concrete. It's anchored properly. It's nice and secure. If you're an older building and it's, uh, and it's wood construction, you're going to have to look at that real close. Make sure that, once again, you know, the door, just like anything else, the, you know, it's kind of like the weakest link. Where's the weakest link in your door? and it could be the framing. Next thing is doors with windows. Doors with windows need one of two things. They either need glass with that, with that wire mesh, which I'm sure you've seen 
um, before. You need that, or what you need to do is you need to have glazing on your windows. Now glazing is, we've talked about this before, it's the same thing that's in your windshield kind of, that keeps it from shattering into a million pieces. It's kind of a rubbery plastic polymer type thing that does that. Well, that can actually be added to windows afterwards. It can be something that's added later. And so you just gotta look around for that kind of dealer. The other thing that you need to keep in mind though is this. If they're gonna put in after, after installation um, glazing, you want that glazing to go beyond the frame. So you have your glass, that glass is being held in by some sort of frame. And so what we wanna do is we wanna take off that frame, so we're at the glass, and glaze the whole piece of glass and then re-put that frame in place. And what that does is this, is you can kind of imagine, you know, let's say you had a window and you put glazing on it, but it didn't go past that framing that, you know, that was holding it in place. You could just be basically break out of the, uh, around the edges and the piece would just fall out. <laughs> and so you don't want that. You want that to go into the frame. So it's nicely anchored and any amount of damage and force, now it's gotta be ripped from that framing that's put around it. Windows, windows obviously the weakest part is the glass. So ditto on that as far as you know, you either want, especially ground floor needs either that wire mesh or that glazing. Um, so make sure, or I know in some areas in the country, depending on where you are, you might even have bars on the windows. If you have bars on the window, just make sure that they meet fire code and somebody from the inside could evacuate if they needed to through that window. Um, other than that, windows are a lot like what we said about doors. You know, look at the operation of them. You know, what kind of hinge system do they have? What kind of opening device handle do they have? You know, what kind of lock mechanism does it have on it? How does all of that work? And you gotta kind of think of this in two ways. One, if somebody's just trying to burglar in, or you know, you know, break into the building quietly to rob the place, or quietly to set up their ambush, um, you don't want it that they were just easily you know, work the mechanism and they're able to open that window. You don't want that kind of scenario. You want to make it harder for them. In fact, what you want to do is you really are kind of forcing them to break the glass. And if it's got wiring, wire mesh, or it's got glazing, that's going to make it a real hard time. Well, if somebody's trying to sneak in, you know, during services for an ambush, somebody's, hopefully somebody's going to, you know, hear that and or see that. And of course the team then can respond. So that's kinda, that's your doors and windows. Other than that, you know, just some other good practices and things to do. <clears throat> the reason I talked about doors that are always locked for people on the outside and always unlocked for the people on the inside is because I'm an advocate of having a good safety posture. And what I mean by that is this, is all the doors are always in that configuration. So if there's a reason for a lockout because there's a threat outside, the exterior doors only need to be closed shut. There's no running for keys. There's no, you know, I think about the church I went to, it had those little push bars for all the doors. And they were all 
locked in the open position all the time. And so to lock them, you had to have a key and you had to run down this bank of like six doors that were just, were primarily glass to undog the doors. I, I don't know if that's a Northern statement, but to lock the doors and who's gonna do that? You know, somebody's in the parking lot shooting, are you really gonna be standing in front of all those windows trying to lock that door? Horrible situation where if those doors are always locked, you just have to get out of the way, door greeters, whatnot, just get out of the way, the doors will shut, they're locked, there's none of that. Um, which brings up why we're able to do that, have those doors in that configuration. If you have door greeters working the doors, then they're opening the doors anyway for them, right? And shaking hands and you know kissing babies and all that kind of stuff that they do. You know, There's no reason in the world those exterior doors can't be all the time locked. One of the things we did at another campus is it had three doors coming in from three different parking lots. And so, or two different parking lots. So what we did is because we didn't have enough personnel to, man to monitor those doors during the services, what we did is we put on big signs on the door that said, this door is locked during services. So before services, there was a door greeter there and they were opening it, no problem, no big deal. But at the same time, people were learning that, hey, if we show up the church late, we have to go around to the front of the building to go through that door, which had somebody monitoring the door standing there. And like I said, they can open it for people. So two doors had that little sign on it. And after a while, it might be inconvenient for a short period of time, but after a while, people learn, and then it's not a problem. Now, if you're in an extremely large building, well then hopefully you have a lot of volunteers. Um, but my point still remains the same. Um, unused doors or doors that can't be manned should just be locked and maybe have a sign in there that's saying, go to the front or wherever. Um, detection, we talked about cameras a little bit. I love exterior cameras, even interior cameras strategically placed because it does allow for one person to sit at a monitor and watch what's going on in the parking lot and around the building or in even inside the building, hallways, lobby, you know, public areas kind of like that. Obviously, we're not putting them in bathrooms and stuff like that, but you get my point. And with that person on radio with other safety team members, they can say, hey, I see something suspicious happening in the north parking lot. You know, there's a guy with a pickup truck, blah, 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 you know, whatever the deal is. And then the safety team can go check that out. Um, basically, you just have an eye in the sky and they see everything and they can kind of work as a dispatcher for the safety team to check out anything that might be suspicious. Um, other than that, you know, having good policies, good procedures, we talked about the safety, um, uh, you know, the safety posture, you know, that could be a good policy to have in place if you can get it at your church. You know, key control, you know, who has access to the church, who has keys, all of that stuff needs to be needs to be monitored. You know, um, when I first started working at my church and talking about keys, you know, I was told that basically keys were just kind of, you know, thrown like confetti, just <laughs> left and right to anyone who ever needed a key and nobody was responsible or the person responsible never chased after those keys later. And so then later we went to a fob system and that was a lot better. Um, 
but uh, all the doors need needed to be rekeyed. So once again, you know, what's the in the budget? Can you have something that's as easy as turning off a fob when they no longer have access, or or maybe they only have access for a limited time, and so you can set it Tuesdays from seven to nine they have access, and the rest of the time they don't. There's a lot of technological solutions that are really great. If you don't have that, you need a good sign-in access log. Who has keys, who doesn't have keys. Um, so other than that, situational awareness, you know, good training program, you know, um, getting in a good security mindset, you know, all these things can affect your preparedness for an active killer. And that's what we need to do. Now, everything that I said here, you know, maybe you can't do all of it. Maybe you can only do a little bit of it, but and that's kind of why I start out with doors and windows. Take a look at them. Maybe you can't put in a brand new door with the frame and everything in place, but what can you do to that door? If it has a crummy handle, replacing a handle isn't nothing. Probably most of us could change out a door handle relatively easy. Um, you know, we can make some of these improvements with just a little bit of money and some elbow grease. So do what you can. Everything you do adds another level of security, another level of safety for your congregation. Other than that, um, I just want to thank all my students out there that are with me this semester. Lots of fun. Uh, we just did the verbal de-escalation, and then Sunday we do child protection. It's going to be another good course. It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable, I think, at times because we are pretty blunt and frank about the problem of child abuse in the church. Um, but I look forward to seeing all you guys. Other than that, if you like this video, share, like, comment, you know, engage me in a conversation. Just about every day I go through comments on Facebook and on YouTube and all that. And I look at the comments and um, I respond and, you know, for questions and that kind of stuff. So feel free to put something in there and I probably respond within a day or two. Other than that, Thank you so much for tuning in, and hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.